Hallmarkies podcast. We are so excited today to bring you another one of our Hallstar interviews. This is very exciting. I am film critic Rachel Wagner and Cammie is here. Hey everybody. Yes and we are so excited to be talking with actor Dylan Neal today and we're so excited for his new movie coming up uh, for The Gourmet Detective and Dylan thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Well so nice of you to invite me guys and, and we do have to let the audience in on how late I am already to this podcast. I mean, not just the fact that you've probably been on for five years and you're only inviting me now. We'll talk about that later. But the <laughs> fact that uh, I, I called in, what did I call in? Let's be honest, right? I'm 20 minutes late for this interview, right? <laughs> we were going to keep and I'm so secret, sorry. Dylan. It is completely on me. I know you're going to be so kind and polite about it, but I felt like I should just put that out there that I'm like, I was a total loser and totally screwed this up. And you guys are just so kind you weren't even going to mention it. So I threw myself under the bus. How is that for an introduction? <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm All here. right, Hallmarkies, there you have it. <laughs> no, what you don't know is that we were like, yeah, we, we do weekly interviews with actors. So we're, we're like, eh. So, <laughs> yeah, just get in line. You know, I, you know what I tell everybody? You know, because I'm like so old now. I've been in this business for just like generations. Uh, you know, everyone thinks that actors are ferried to and fro by limousine because they're special and they're celebrities. That's not the origin of it. No. The origin is because producers know that you cannot rely on an actor to get from A to B and on time. <laughs> So they handhold them by sending a car and a driver just so that they will show up on time to whatever event that it is. It has nothing to do with, the, you know, quote unquote, a celebrity because they're idiots and they can't show up on time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I, I'm I, sorry. I know we, this is a Hallmark podcast. No. Be, I, they're, they're not nice people and they don't show up on time. <laughs> We 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 are we aren't an official Hallmark podcast, so we keep it real. So this is good. But um, yeah, you have, uh, you have to steer me on this, okay, guys? Yes. Uh, yeah, you, you let yeah. me know. You know how prime time are we? Okay. You'll find I'm not your traditional Hallmark guest, okay? Yes. In, in a great way. I mean that in a good way, but you know. We love it. Well, that's what the edit button is for. That's what the edit <laughs> button please, is for. Please. Well. <laughs> Well, Dylan, we like to start our interviews by asking our guests to introduce yourself and to tell us what inspired you to get into acting, aside from the little scenes. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, hello, I'm, I'm Dylan Neal. Uh, I've been an actor for, uh, oh my goodness, 30 years now. And uh, okay, so, here, you know, we always get asked this question, right? And mm -hmm. I guarantee you, 90% of your guests and anyone who's ever given an interview, they're lying about what is the real answer here okay the real answer is the same answer that Lawrence Olivier gave way back in the day and he said I became an actor because I wanted to hey everybody look at me look at me look at me it is purely a good dose of ego and chutzpah and um, um, ignorance about how hard the business is <laughs> Yeah, but I've also found a lot of actors to be kind of weirdly shy and, and a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and I am, I, am, I am exactly that case. Like, I can't handle social events, but there's some, there's some kind of switch that gets flipped. That it's an avenue. Suddenly, your job, so you get to escape your own neuroses and why you're so shy and you can't, like, you know, interact normally like anyone else in the world. And, you know, you're this wallflower. Somehow the, the switch gets flipped in us that 
oh, there's the stage in art. And then it goes to the adulation, right? Like, oh, they do love me because there's a whole bunch of neuroses tied up with shy people. My wife tells me this every single day. Like, <laughs> this is not an admirable trait that you have. And it's not like cute or like, oh, you just don't. No, it's because you're in neuroses and you're, you're such a, uh, you know, all these negative traits or whatever that you guys have that you think everybody's thinking about you at all given times. And that, that's why you can't function normally. It's like, <laughs> it, it comes back to neuroses and self-involvement is why people are shy often. Awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's a battle so. between the introverts and the extroverts. It's it's just a all living inside here. It's, it's a wonderful place to be. You don't want to be married <laughs> to me. I, I tell you that right now. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel, I was a I was a theater major in college. I gotta say, I'm I'm with Dylan on this one. <laughs> all right, come on. Like, how many actors do you have to know in high school and college to know that I'm telling you the truth? Right. Like, come on. Oh, yeah, I, I'm going, I don't think that he would ever listen to this, but there is one actor in particular from my college days that I just went, okay, you can get over yourself now, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> and you know how, and you know how also this manifests itself now is social media, and I'm not going to name names, but there are plenty of people I know, even within the Hallmark universe, you follow their Instagram feed and all the selfies and the self-posing that goes on. I personally am not a big fan of social media because I think on the one hand, it's wonderful, right? Like we get, we get really important news and right. people in third worlds and, 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 you know, dictatorship, they can, they can have uh, information that they're either sending out to the outside world or they're receiving information. It's a wonderful thing, causes a lot of problems. But the other flip side of it is that you're giving, in, in, in our case, in the entertainment world or in music or in, 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 in athletics, you're giving some of the most narcissistic people on the planet a platform to directly reach what, yeah. what you know, the unpleasant way of calling it is minions, and they get to be their own emperors in their own little world, and I don't need to see you driving to work or in your trailer, oh, just, I mean, the preening and the thirstiness, right, that's the word for all of this, isn't it, so they call it like thirsty, when you're, when you're like reading that. all the accolades? It's yeah. just the worst thing. And and I can feel the draw towards doing that. It's awful. And so I stop myself because I, I think I'm I'm somewhat aware of how awful I can be. <laughs> and I say don't post that because what you're doing is you're you're just showing off on whatever it may be. And I just think it's ugly. It brings out the ugliness in us. But it's a, it's a difficult thing because there are so many wonderful things that you can do with social media, like bring awareness to great causes. And, and I know you guys have Nikki Deloshan, who's a dear friend of mine, and she's so special and wonderful, and she uses it really well, right? Nikki does, yeah. you know, uses it as a platform to put out uh, messages of hope and, and inspiration and raising money for great causes like Alzheimer's. Um, but there's so many other actors and entertainers that are just, you know, just love me, love me, love me, right? I, I just find yeah. it so unseemly. I think it's awful. Because it is creating a sense of community, which can be a good yeah, thing so or a bad well, thing. But, uh, but mostly is a good with thing. homework, so, it's a good thing. Yeah, I think it, I think that's really valid. So I think that that's just as important in many ways as, as the ratings. Because as we can all tell in the media, I mean, homework's had a lot of media over the last six months, some good, some bad. But mm-hmm. of the good, certainly, is that, A, you know, Michelle Vickery at, at Homelock had a programming, really changed the entire TV landscape with, with the Christmas programming. That was her mm-hmm. baby. That was her idea. And we know that other networks, Lifetime has copied it. Netflix is copying it. Freeform mm-hmm. is copying it. 
that is like part of the community that homework represents around Christmas movies. And I think with the murder mysteries, there's a community that has absolutely formed enough for live tweeting or live Facebook kind of communication mm-hmm. back and forth with the cast and, and audience really is vibrant. It's relevant. Mm-hmm. It, it may not in, in one sense translate to direct numbers, but I think in, in, in the aggregate, it kind of does, right? Because the more mm-hmm. people are talking about it, then it kind of trickles down and then maybe one or two or three or a couple of dozen Wilson families will kind of get drawn yeah. in because it's creating a buzz out there in the media. And, and uh, Hallmark is really uh, front and center. And I, I, I know that I don't think internally the executives love having Saturday Night Live sketches about Hallmark movies, but I will say <laughs> it means that you're doing something right, actually, because yeah. if you're being mocked by Saturday Night Live, it means you've arrived. And yeah. that's actually a good thing. And it's getting everyone noticed. Should have a sense of humor. Yeah, everyone should have a sense of humor about themselves, right? And Saturday Night Live is, you know, they've done a few now. And uh, they're hilarious. I find them hilarious. But I think that, that everyone at Hallmark should be rather proud about that. Like, wow, you guys have really arrived. Well, it, there's just so much content now that, like, the more you can get yes. your reach expanding it no in any kidding. way that you can the better even just as a podcaster there's so many podcasts so we have to do whatever we can to try to get our reach out there and to try to try to just contact as many people as possible and uh, but um uh but i wanted to ask you because i know we have a lot of soap opera fans that listen to our ah. podcast and you right. started on a couple different shows that you've done you did uh in the 90s and i was just wondering uh, what that experience is like because i know it's pretty grueling and if that helped you to kind of be prepared for if it helped you throughout your career but also as because i know the hallmark shoots are also pretty 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 jam-packed very fast yeah very fast yeah well Okay, so a couple of thoughts on that. Uh, so I joined the Golden Beautiful in 1994, I believe, and I've been an actor for a number of years. Uh, and, and I'm a dual citizen. I'm Canadian by birth. Mm-hmm. Uh, for people that don't know, I worked up in the Toronto area for five, seven years, moved down to L.A. in 92, would go back and forth. Uh, I, I, had, I had a great response when I came to L.A. as a 21-year-old. And, and I could tell all this was. I need to be. That's right. Yeah, near Toronto, and that's where I grew up. And, uh, and when I came down to L.A. in 1992, it was just a real game changer. I could see, oh, oh, I need to be here, mostly because it's a volume business. And, and most actors are starving uh, or have one foot in bankruptcy, either <laughs> either at the beginning of their career. Or, I mean, actually, it never changes. You know, you're a freelance artist. But so you need volume to, to make a living. And Canada, you know, it's just a fraction of the industry that it is in Los Angeles. And so. Uh, it was a good fit for me just with the way I looked and what I represented as a young leading man, but also just business-wise. It was just go where the volume is and try and make a living out of this. Mm-hmm. So two years later, I got my, my sort of my big break, really, in Bold and the Beautiful. And I, I had a three-year contract. That allowed me to get my green card. And what I, what I always uh, say about soaps, and it's very much changed because soaps are almost gone now. You know, when I was there, it was sort of like the last gasp, I think. There were still 10 shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I think we have three that are left. And so then, uh, and as it has always been, I think the reasons to do a soap are you're young and you want to make just a little bit of money and stop flipping burgers or, you know, uh, delivering pizzas or whatever it is and just breathe for a little bit. 
mm-hmm. get some experience or you it for later in life when maybe you got some kids, you got a mortgage and maybe family's got to come first and you got to put some of your career aspirations to the side. Because what probably most people don't realize maybe is um, in terms of the hierarchy of Hollywood soaps are kind of at the bottom. Uh, I mean, they just are. And that's no offense to anybody that loves soaps, but there's a hierarchy. And um, soaps uh, can provide a, a wonderful living. It's nowhere near the money that primetime actors make. Uh, but it can also hurt you because there, there always was and there still is a stigma about soap actors, right? And that when you come out, it, it's difficult to get work. And that's why a lot of soap actors don't leave because, A, they get comfortable to making just a living. And, you know, maybe it's like lawyers or I could say doctor's wages, maybe depends on where you live in the country. And that's difficult to walk away from knowing that you're walking out to like nothing. And a prejudice against you. You're going to be viewed as just, oh, one of those pretty soap actors, like you, you got nothing to offer. Mm-hmm. And so I was always very aware of that, but I wanted to move on after three years because I didn't want to get sucked in to then never being able to leave. Mm-hmm. And so um, I did my three years and, and I left and I got very lucky. I started getting pilots uh, right away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so the training that I got from there, you know, I, I'm not sure that you get good training. I know other mm-hmm. people disagree. Uh, I know Ray Liotta has always spoken very fondly and, and kindly about his time on soap. What I found is, yes, you learn to memorize a huge amount of dialogue, but that doesn't really serve you too much out in the real world because it shouldn't be about volume of dialogue that you're focusing on, right? Even in prime time, you're hopefully focusing on quality of material. And it, it's not about, mm-hmm. yes, I can learn 30 pages in a day, <laughs> you know, and so because there's so much dialogue and you are literally learning 30 pages a night sometimes that you're holding what are called sides, right? You know, those are the printed pages of the day that you're going to be shooting and they're just miniaturized. So you can hold them in your hands. They're called sides. Mm -hmm. And so when we're on set on a soap, you're still looking at your line as they do the countdown, five, four, three, and they point at you at zero. Right. And we all just drop our sides behind pillows or on the floor and start speaking. Mm-hmm. Because that's how loosely your dialogue is in your head. You're barely able to retain it. Now, what's that teaching you? You know, that's not teaching you craft. That's teaching you, I can memorize a whole bunch of dialogue. And, and there, are no re- there are no multiple takes. Like, if you get the words out in chronological, grammatical mm-hmm. order, moving on. Because <laughs> they've got so much to do in one day, right? That's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. So it's teaching you maybe professionalism, show up on time definitely work hard. You're going to have to work. And if you can't memorize your lines, you're going to get fired. Like there's just no room for people yeah. that can't keep up. And so not everyone can do it. It, it is a skill set. It, it teaches that muscle memory. It teaches you maybe some technical mm-hmm. stuff about the business. And I purposely stayed in class in LA. I, I studied, I actually studied with one of the major, major gurus in this town called uh, Ivana Chubbuck, who's got mm-hmm. many Academy Award winners on under her belt. Uh, Charlize Theron won. Mm-hmm. Um, but I stayed in because I knew I was going to have to battle uh, the soap stigma when I left. And I never felt I was very good. I was always waiting to be fired any day. And, and I don't think I was very good on that show, but uh, they were very kind to me. And, um, uh, and, and uh, you know, I, I, had a, I had a good experience from, from that time. It was time to move on. And, you know, then I went on to do shows like Dawson's Creek and I did a spelling series. And, um, you know, I was very lucky. I, I, I've been working throughout my whole career. So how did you first become aware of Cedar Cove and, and uh, what was that like 
as far as that show and that experience being on on Hallmark for the first time. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I uh, I, I read the trades every day, and I remember reading um, in Variety or maybe it was on Deadline that uh, you know uh, Hallmark was doing their first ever uh, TV series, and they had just cast Andy McDowell, and I was like, wow, that's a you know it's a big get, and um, oh, interesting. And then it was about, you know, two weeks later that I got a call from my agent saying, um, we may have an offer for you on a Hallmark pilot. Are you interested? And uh, it was bizarre for a couple of reasons, because I'd never been offered a series lead without having to audition first. Like, so they came to just, you. It was a straight offer. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. I didn't even audition. Wonderful. So it, it was. It was. I mean, there was a little bit of concern at first because there was a little bit of an age difference between me and Andy. She's 12 years older than I am, I believe. And that's oh. not the way it was written in the books by Debbie Maycumber, right? right? And so when we all met, um, I think some people were a little worried. <laughs> Oops, <laughs> this might not work. Uh, and so that's why I let my hair grow out a little bit and why I grew the stubble because uh, I, I would all go salt and pepper, right? And so that would just be a better match between me and Andy, who obviously is stunning. I mean, Andy has never looked her age, but that put us at a better equal footing. And then we found out that we had good chemistry and, um, and that it worked. And then everyone's just like, oh, we got nothing to worry about. We're fine. Um, but that, that's why... Uh, if anyone is wondering why Jack had the look that he had, it was, uh, I, I just needed to play with my age a little bit. I said, I guess stubble is acceptable at this point. I'm not a huge well, stubble and fan. I'd often, I'd and often so... <laughs> had it. I, I'd had, you know, I've, I've always uh, often had beards and stubble. Uh, I mean, it's obviously, a, you know, not, not an uncommon thing for a leading man. But, right. uh, but it was also appropriate for the character because the character was older. You know, Andy was cast correctly. I was just on the young side for what the character in the books and what they were writing was. But of course, sure. you know, the business behind the scenes, of course, is that they were going to hire a Canadian because, you know, all Hallmark projects are shot in Canada. And I can go right. into a whole tax structure, why that is. And it's more than what you think. So there were probably only so many Canadian actors <laughs> that <laughs> were the right fit for them. And I was probably number five on that list that said, yes. And so I got the role and, um, and I'm very thankful for that. And that, then of course, you know, that's led to the next seven years where I've, I've done so much for Hallmark right? mm -hmm. as a writer, producer, and actor. Because mostly what I do for them now is I write them and, and I produce. Yeah. So you wrote uh, Truly Madly Sweetly. Um, I guess I forgot to look. Uh, so you've had others for Hallmark that you helped or that you were yeah. part of the writing for as well. So that's yeah. cool. Uh, so how did you get involved with that, with writing? Is that well, something my, you've always done? My wife is, uh, my wife is a writer. And, yeah, they're um, quite a team. Uh, <laughs> so she, she, she's been writing for Hollywood going you know, back to the 90s. And then oh, wow. uh, we sold our first pilot together in 2003. We had a bidding war on, on a story based on my childhood, actually, that ended up going to Sony. And then she sold a uh, series to Lifetime the next year. And then, and then when our first child was born, she wanted to leave work and just be a stay-at-home mom. I, I say just, you know what that is. That's a full-time mm -hmm. job. She works harder than oh, anybody. Yes. Oh, yes. She wanted, to, <laughs> she wanted to be there for our children. Let me phrase it that way and not uh, pejoratively. And so um, 
uh, let's say, flash forward to when our kids were at a certain age, maybe this is seven or eight years later, she was thinking about, okay, what do I want to do? Do I go back to Los Angeles? Her first love, uh, when I say Los Angeles, go back to screenwriting. Her first love was always uh, fiction, and she was going to be a novelist. It was, it was because she got hooked up with me that she ended up in Los Angeles and became a screenwriter. That was never part of the plan. And she was published as a teenager. I mean, she was she was a bit of a savant, or is you know she was she was the type of kid that handed in her homework when she was like in fifth grade, and the teachers would say, "Okay, that's nice, sweetie, but your parents can't write your homework for you, right?" She was always a real prodigy, <laughs> and so um, so, anyways, when she wanted to go back and do something, I was doing Cedar Cove in our mm-hmm. first year, and I said, "You know, honey, why don't we just go?" pitch one or two things over at Hallmark, introduce ourselves so that they know who you are. And I'm not sure that they know that I've also done some stuff with you. And she said, yeah, sure. Okay. So little did we know that they were going to buy everything that we pitched and that, you know, seven years later, we'd still be doing stuff for them. But that first one we pitched and sold was uh, something that ended up being called Valentine Ever After. Um, Now there's a long story on that. There was another writer that was brought on because we kind of had some creative differences over how that story was developing, but uh, we're still on there as the exec producers, but that was originally our story. And uh, I loved Valentine um, ever after I loved it. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, wait, wait, if you had just read the original script, you would have even, (laughs) it was originally (laughs) called disorderly conduct. <laughs> oh, oh, that, oh, that would have been funny. Oh, that would have been funny. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was our first. That was our first trip into learning kind of how Hallmark works in development, and and it was different than what we thought. And and uh, you know that's what's always challenging for writers. You know, everyone thinks that Hallmark must be oh, they're so easy. They're just they're simple little family stories, but they're mm-hmm. actually very very challenging to oh, yeah. write, and not everyone can do it. And there's a very steep learning curve for new writers and and I'm going through it right now with a writer that we had hired and and they're no longer on the project and there's a new writer and it is deceptively deceptively challenging yeah but after we did that first one um this was probably still maybe first year of Cedar Cove or the hiatus and I approached Michelle Vickery again and uh, I think Cedar Cove was doing fairly well and and they seemed to be happy with me and I said look I would you be interested in a potential movie franchise? And, you know, what I'm thinking of is, you know, what Tom Selleck is doing over at CBS with Jesse Stone. And she said, well, it's so funny you mentioned that because we're thinking of bringing Tom Selleck over to Hallmark. And it just so happens we're thinking of rebranding our other network into something called Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. And so when I pitched Gourmet Detective along with one other project that, you know, I, I gave them two ideas. Um, I was, we were the first murder mystery ever commissioned because they hadn't even rebranded the second network yet. And then all these other ones have come in after. Now, Garage Sale Mystery was already around. They've been doing theirs. But in terms of we're rebranding the network, we need to bring in some mystery wheels that they started to call them. Uh, Gourmet Detective was the first one. And I think we sold that, geez, I think maybe December 2013. And, um, and then they ordered three right away. And then, then that next season on Cedar Cove, it was really difficult because I was doing full-time male lead on Cedar Cove, finishing off disorderly conduct with my wife, and then also 
writing the first draft of Gourmet Detective while breaking down two other stories because they wanted three at a time. And man, those were, that was a busy, busy year. Yeah. Um, Holy cow. Time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Where did you get the idea, original idea? Was it from a book or was it from a, how did you? Yeah. So Gourmet, Gourmet Detectives uh, are based on a book series by Peter King. Okay. And um, so that, that was just knowing how Hallmark works. They, they prefer, and it's not the only way, but they prefer buying books. I think they get a certain comfort in knowing that there's X number of stories already plotted out. And even though we generally have to really deconstruct them for Hallmark's purposes, they, they feel that there's maybe a bit of a built-in audience and that at least there's a story that we can all refer to. So I brought in, um, like I said, two. One was actually a BBC adaptation, which was my favorite. That's the one I wanted to go. And I still have it in my back pocket. But I knew, and it was my co-producer, Joel Rice over at Muse, that found The Gourmet Detective. My only mandate to Joel, because I I approached Joel to come on board with this, knowing that they wanted to probably buy something from me, was I want to make it food-based because I believe that's really important for the Hallmark audience. Uh, I was trying to break down, uh, strategize what's the best sale for the audience. And because it's such a family-oriented audience, and there are very much some traditions and what speaks to traditions more than family cooking. And, you know, everyone's got very strong opinions about cooking. And, and I just thought, oh, you know what? It's going to be about cooking. That's what I got to just find something on cooking. And uh, so, uh, and I knew when we came across the title, Gourmet Detective, I said, it's done. It's sold. You know, like, it doesn't matter what's in the books. It's, it's sold on the title. And that's, and that's how I sold Truly Madly Tweetly as well. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, and so, but the problem with the Gourmet Detective books is they're really unusable for the Hallmark's purposes. Uh, the, the main character, he's rather a chauvinist pig a little bit. He, he's very sexist. They're very dated. There are none of the characters that we created. Like there, there isn't a Maggie. There's none of the Bailey and Monroe. There's no mom. There's no daughter. There's none of that. That's all made up by me and my wife. Because what I wanted to do at the same time was basically write that first movie as a pilot for a TV series so that at any moment, if the network decided, it would have the engine and the framework and structure to launch it as a series. Uh, Because they had always teased at the beginning, you know, if we ever like any of these enough, maybe we'll turn one into a TV series. And Mm -hmm. so that's why I made it a procedural. It's based in a TV, it's based in a, a police station for a reason. It has supporting detectives for a reason. It has Maggie with a family for a reason. And then it has the Sam and Diane hate you, love you thing at the same time. Um, Sam and Diane from Cheers is sort of a, a Hollywood right. uh, thing. We use, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which, of course, goes all the way back to, you know, uh, His Girl Friday or The Thin right. Man. It's, you know, that, uh-huh. That's just how all, all things work. But the machinery supports the series in a way that many of the other, in my opinion, the murder mysteries don't. Um, it, it, they're just different and um so anyways it, it's got a strong framework but none of that is in the book and so that's where i had to spend some time really breaking down um how, how to put that machinery in place and and i, I think we landed on something that works pretty well mm-hmm. well you, i have to tell you i have to tell you i was i was completely skeptical in fact i avoided them on purpose i said that is the most ridiculous thing i have ever heard in my entire life and my best friend said why these movies now is okay fine. <laughs> and so I went and I watched the first one and went 
okay um i i i, I like it <laughs> never mind i <laughs> i got you all right we yep got you. yep you got me well and also well, i'm a blog i'm a blogger for when calls the heart not officially but i blog about the show when calls the heart and so the fact that you had Allie on there as uh as brooke's daughter as maggie's daughter that really yeah. hooked me because she's also uh been a character on when calls the heart so i started watching them yeah and said, I'm sold. I'm sold. Cause you do the you do the food thing really well. And I just said, how are they going to make a food guy work with the work with the mysteries and the and the murder yeah, it uh, is solving? A, well it's a concern it of mine as well. Because <laughs> I would like to move off from only food and have Henry's the fact that he's a chef certainly bring in the food, but I, I wouldn't mind branching away from only food related uh, mysteries, because, because of course, if you ever did turn it into a series, you, you can't have it food-based every week. You, that, that just right. doesn't work. It's got to be, <laughs> because what the original premise was too, I said to them when I'm selling it is, look guys, I will give you a version of Castle, but wrap it all in a Hallmark bow so that it makes sense. Because you, you have to change a few things about Castle to make it work for Hallmark. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just in like that, he starts off as a novelist, a crime novelist, who, of course, you know, his skill set is about breaking down stories and why someone might do that in keen observation. That's why he's useful long term. And you don't have to just be like in his pilot. It was all about someone copying one of his novels. So the idea was originally, and the network didn't like it and they toned it down, was that Henry was going to have a few more like like his his keen observations were going to be almost Sherlockian in 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 uh, benedict cumberbatch's thing you know where they go into his brain when he sees all the different things and he sees his, his mind catching things that nobody else catches yeah I, I had written that in there and they didn't want to do that they felt it was just too much but I, I was disappointed because i thought that would be more helpful as to why he's so especially useful because he really does spot things that the average person doesn't because of this of his hmm. particular nature of a chef and his ocd qualities and and so that kind of got toned a little bit. And I also had originally written him a little bit more Frasier-like and that he was a little bit more of a uh, fussy guy. And mm. anyways, all of that got, got, kind of got smoothed over a little bit. So, you know, we're in a place that they, they seem to be happy with them. And, and of course, Henry and Maggie's relationship has evolved over time, too. So you've had a little bit of a break from doing them since 2017. Uh, so this new one, you guys must have been pretty excited to get back together and make another yeah one. yeah because we were canceled i mean let's call it we yeah. were canceled yeah um uh yeah we were we were deader than dead and then um <laughs> what they found though is that we um we repeat really well uh and so even though we'll probably never be like one of the top three you know i'm not, i'm never going to be brendan and Lacey together that's a great combo you got mm-hmm. a special thing with um you know in a, in love with that first one that um but were really strong in the reruns and that, that obviously got their attention and thought that, you know, we better revisit this and, and at least try it one more time and make sure that uh, we're not leaving every stone unturned on this. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was a nice surprise. And um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited how it turned out and uh, you know, people tune in and you never know, like these are all one by one. You, you'll see how sure. you do and see if you get an order for another one. Yeah. Well, well must- you and your wife, you and your wife make quite the team. I mean, it's just, yeah. it, you can really tell that you have a lot of fun with writing the script because it's all the back and forth, back and forth banter. It's it's wonderful. And one thing that I really like about the scripts that you do is that you keep the, you keep the relationship between Henry and Maggie 
fresh, but not awkward. It's comfortable, but they're still finding new things out about each other, which is a very fine line to walk. But I really enjoy it, the way that is. you guys have written that. Oh, well, thank you. Appreciate that. What what we're having to what I'm going to have to do on the next one, I'm going to be probably if we, if we do get another one, I'm going to probably be writing it uh, on my own is, you know, Brooke and I were talking about I've got to figure out a way on the next one to take their relationship to another level where you can have sort of the the intent of an eye roll from Maggie. But we're starting to beat that to death maybe a little bit. That Henry will say something, and of course, it merits an eye roll from Maggie. And it's all fun and it's cute, but we've done five now. And I've got to find a nuanced way to take them to the next level in their relationship. So that you can still have the banter because essentially they're an old married couple, right? And, and that, <laughs> yeah. that's the yeah. idea. Like you never get tired of the Sam and Diane. That's why you watch. And, and just in like real life, and just like my wife and I, I mean, we're still going to argue. We're still going to banter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've got to find a way that it doesn't always just end up in an eye roll. <laughs> what can you tell us a little bit without giving everything away about this new one? uh just yeah a little bit about it that'll uh, all right so in the new one uh uh henry maggie a uh a they're you know very much uh, a couple now and in love and they're they're just like a merry old uh, an old married couple we brought back uh henry's dad jim played by bruce boxleitner who uh yes right so that was totally kg in my part a because i know bruce but then also you know i was trying to prop up my ratings i go who who does everyone love oh i think i know who <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so i wrote it for bruce and, and and i texted him i said bruce i'm writing you a role uh i don't know if you'll take it or not but just heads up there's going to be an offer coming your way in a couple of months just put that put that in your pocket mm-hmm. uh and so um so, so Jim is back, and of course now they own a restaurant together, Molly's, that they had talked about in Gourmet Four. That's now up and running. But uh, the, what the mystery is is that there's a, a, a nationally famous restaurant in in San Francisco, and there's something that famous restaurants, important restaurants, have that's called a chef's book. It, it's not a cookbook, but it's very much like it. But it's way more detailed. And if the restaurant has been all around for decades, it's been added to over generations by all of the head chefs. And there's a lot of trade secrets and a lot of just writings in there that for foodies or other chefs, uh, people in the know, makes them very, very valuable. And this particular chef's book went missing years ago. And it's kind of got this cult about like whatever happened to the Belvedere chef's book. Well, it, it resurfaces at an auction. And it gets a lot of interest and it's going to go for a lot of money, but uh, it goes missing right before the auction and the person who has it ends up dead. And then whoever ends up with the book ends up murdered. And so Maggie and Henry have been hired to try and track down the book, but they're also involved from a police angle because uh, there's bodies piling up with whoever's associated with the book. And so everyone's wondering, well, what's in this book? that warrants people getting killed over. And so that's where it goes. And then I will say for the audience that you really need to pay attention to this movie, especially in the last 20 minutes, because it takes a major left turn that you will not see coming. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to get lost a little. So that's all I'm going to say. And that's knowing that the gourmet detectives are a little more complicated than some of the other murder mystery wheels. Um, and this one could not be helped. It, there's just a big left turn. So, so 
don't go to the bathroom, okay? Or at least if you do, make sure you're back in time. <laughs> Great. We're, we're really Look up from excited. my notebook because I always take notes during that's the right. movie. So. That's, that's Everybody take notes, get a pad and paper. There will be a test after. Start writing down names, okay? Well, I'm very excited to see it. Uh, we're doing our uh, three three mystery recap episode, uh, and my dad is going to come on. And uh, so uh, I'm, uh, I hope it's a good one because my dad hardly watches any television. So all right, is... well, no pressure. I mean, thanks. Yeah. Oh my god! No pressure there. You're but getting like, special you know, treatment. My dad's never going to watch Hallmark again. <laughs> <laughs> he was on last year for the January pilots for the for the new mysteries, and it was really fun. And uh, and so oh, I was good. Convincing him, like I think these three will be good. Cross fingers. Uh, well, so... I'm glad about our pairing <laughs> this time because we've actually always had a really really difficult air date. Uh, we've always been just nailed. Uh, either we've been up against like a hardy season finale or mm-hmm. uh, or like a, a snow infested NFL, uh, oh, uh, yeah. you know, playoff game. There was a president. Actually, on one night, there was a presidential debate. There was an NFL playoff game. And then there was a hurricane <laughs> on the East Coast. That was the oh, night no. of the year. That was like, <laughs> that's excellent. And then another time, oh, yeah, man. it's like, you know, either it's like a Hardee's or, or uh, you know, one of the other series finales. And like, oh, come on, guys, like, give us a chance. So this, <laughs> For the uh, part of the Hardee's, like, you know, I say, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Exactly. Like, who, who are we kidding? I knew where everyone was watching. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, but this time, right? So, a we get we get Lacey and Brennan on the crossword kicking off the month. Then we got like the new Martha's Vineyard last weekend, right? And we're getting promo during those. So it's like, oh, hey, yeah. come on, here we go, third week. Let's uh, let's bring them on home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's well, going strong. All right. Well, well we, we will see. You've been <laughs> a delight. We have just some fun questions that we like to end off the interviews with some silly questions oh no so all right i'm horrible at these it's your test it's your test time (laughs) okay exactly exactly first question what is the best ice cream flavor uh probably uh peanut butter chocolate Mm, yeah it's a good one all right what is your favorite color blue okay what music are you into right now uh, I'm not a big music guy, honestly. I, it's NPR all day long. Okay, good. Is that awful? Is that a boring answer? No. Is that like, oh my God, how did this guy get married? <laughs> no, I mean we prefer people that are just listening to podcasts all day long, but we'll accept NPR as well. Yeah, you'll um, have to get on NPR. Speaking, we'll try. speaking we'll of try. which, speaking of which, what okay. what I want to oh, know well, how how long have you been married? That's what I want to know. Uh, I've been uh, married Uh-oh. 23 years together, uh, 28 years. Very wow. good. Congratulations. Right. That's so that great. makes up for the music, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. What is your go-to date night food? Wine. Okay. That's, <laughs> That's not food. <laughs> I, I'm a, what are you talking about? There's, there's, uh, there's a lot of grapes in there. Uh, you know, there's some yeah. sugars. What uh, is... I mean, a parent. We're all parents here, right? <laughs> oh, the, how do people parent without like mommy juice coming in at 5 p.m. every night. I don't know how people do it, honestly. <laughs> I didn't drink until I had kids. And then, you know, it's just give me a spigot. Yeah. <laughs> um, how, how many children do you have? 
I only have two. I, people who have five, like Melissa Joan Hart's a friend of mine, where it's like, how, like, how do you do it, woman? Like, oh my God. Rachel, I should, I, should we, I tell we him? A, a boy and a girl, and I looked at my wife and said, we're so done, right? She said, are you kidding me? Like, get to the doctor's <laughs> office right now. To, like, get that done. <laughs> Rachel, should I should I tell him that along with my four kids, I don't drink? <laughs> should I tell him? <laughs> wow, you are a saint. I don't know how yeah. you do it. Or, or because you're taking Valium every night. That's why no. you don't drink. Oh, you know, like, no, no. something to get to bed. <laughs> no, no, sorry, not doing it. <laughs> All right. All right. So, All right. which do you can tell me that you homeschool them all too? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. dogs or cats? Uh, I've had both. Uh, I can go either way. My wife can't stand cats, even though we've had cats. Uh, if if I got it, if you got a gun to my head, I'm gonna have to go with dogs. Um, mm -hmm. But I I can go with either, you know. All right, we'll allow it. Okay, beaches <laughs> or mountains? Say that again. Beaches or mountains is your preference. I can't have both. <laughs> if you had to pick one. If you had to pick one. <laughs> you could go to Utah, the Rocky Mountains, or you could go to Palm Springs. Which would you pick? Oh, man, it's so difficult. You know, I had this conversation with Brooke recently, too, about that. You know, like mountains or water. I, like, oh, man, it's so hard, isn't it? I think the ideal is like a lake with a mountain behind it. I don't know. Right. That's all. I live really close to Malibu. So like the ocean is 14 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, but I, and my wife wouldn't be able to, my wife wouldn't be able to stick it out if there was no water around. So if I'm married with my wife, I would defer to her until the water is going to win there. Okay. Right. That's how you stay married, right. by the way. Uh, That's three kids. Okay. That's three. Happy You're wife, okay. happy life. We all Good. know that, thank, right? Thank you so much for that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Would you rather be in a suit and tie or sweats? Are you Just, a dress who up? Who says guy? they want to be in a suit and tie every day? What? <laughs> who who, who picks that? Some people like dressing up. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I mean, I, I will say, so I went to a prep school as a kid for like first eight years, like from fourth grade to whatever that went to, and I had to wear a suit every day in school on Saturdays. And I will say, having less choice about what you wore going to school, and I've heard this from women too. My wife went to a girls' prep school. There is a certain freedom in just taking that pressure off you every day, like, oh my God, what I'm going to wear, and what are people yeah. going to think of me as a as a, as a younger person. So I enjoyed the suit every day. I totally did. I mean, as a boy too, everything's untucked to your ties all over. But still, I was wearing a suit. I I didn't mind it, but. Seriously, like I, as an actor, I, I I wear a suit at a wedding and a funeral and an, at an audition. That's it. <laughs> okay. <You know>? uh, <laughs> so, so, what is your favorite holiday to celebrate? Oh my God! So I'm on a Hallmark podcast. Here. I wonder what I should say. <laughs> okay. Here. It's it's okay. You can you can do something. Labor Day. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, everyone's going to hate me if I don't say, go, oh, go with Christmas. Some people pick uh, Thanksgiving. We've we got a few. Or like, my birthday is my favorite holiday. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Christmas is pretty great. Like, I'm, uh, who are we kidding, yeah. right? Um, right. It, it's pretty great. Uh, it's a mixed bag for me, though. I, I got so many things wrapped up in Christmas. Um, okay, well, sticking, sticking with winter, snowball fight or a yeah. snowman? Uh, 
I was just doing this with my kids, and I did both. Um, I'll probably a snowman. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Last Here's the question. Big one. You have to Here's be more artistic one. with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Last question. Here's the big one. You can one. pick one of your own. It's fine. <laughs> what is your favorite Hallmark movie? Uh, I will say uh, the original uh, Brendan and Lacey movie. What is it? All in Love? Was that the first one? Mm-hmm. All yeah. my heart. All of my heart. All of my heart. Yeah, that's that, a good one. Okay. Oh, oh that one. And um, oh, uh, Love on the Air with Allison oh, Sweeney and, yeah. and Jonathan so, Scarf. Yeah. Now, yeah. technically, Love on the Air is probably the best written Hallmark movie I've ever seen. And when I watched it, I couldn't understand how they got away with so many things that I've personally not been allowed to say <laughs> as a writer. But I, I, and I and and I'll tell you, some execs at Net, at Hallmark will say that's the best movie they've at that time was the best movie they've ever made. That's Again, great. I know you're wrapping it up. You're wrapping it up. Well, no, you're <laughs> doing great. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking with us. This was so much fun. Uh, we really appreciate it. And I know you, you. We talked a lot about social media, but would you like to share your social media? <laughs> Here. Okay. Yeah. So what am I? Um, on Twitter. I think it's called Dylan Neal Studio because I used to have a, an acting studio. And on Instagram, there's one that I can't open and have access anymore. So I won't tell you that one. Uh, the one that works is Dylan J. Neal. Great. And then on well, Facebook, I think I'm just Dylan Neal. I think. I, I don't I, know. I think you are, yeah. You'll, go, you'll, you'll, you'll know. The, the latest Gourmet 5 is on my banner. So if there's, there, there are people that kind of pose as people. I, those mm-hmm. crazy people, right? They pretend to be you and they're not right. you. Right, yeah. Uh, it'll be fairly obvious that it's me, I think. Okay, great. Well, we'll have all of that in the description. People can follow you and, uh, and everybody should check out the movie uh, this weekend. And uh, thanks again for taking the time to talk with us. We really appreciate it. And don't forget to talk oh, about us on that. Home and Family. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I have to get you on Home and Family, right? That's the thing you were talking before the show. All right, guys, yes. I promise I'm going to follow up right now and get you on Home and Family, yes. all right? Yes. All right. Yes. It's yes. a deal. <laughs> well, thanks again. All Hopefully right, we can we can talk again uh, maybe later in the year. And good luck with the movie. Anytime, and- guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye, guys.